many Christians, in fact, way too many Christians, are living lives that fall so far short of the life that Jesus promised. When Jesus promised power, they instead end up living a powerless life. I wonder if you know anyone like that. I'm Bernie Diamond, and thank you so much for joining me again on Christianity Works. Today, we're kicking off a new and truly important series of messages called Power Unlimited. Because while the whole point of Jesus' death was so that we could be forgiven our sin, the whole point of his resurrection was to unleash a power in us to live the life that he's called us to live, a life that will go on for all eternity. Amen. So let's head into God's Word. I wonder if this scenario sounds at all familiar to you. At some stage way back when, you decided to believe in Jesus. Perhaps you, like me, can remember the day that you took that step. Or maybe, like many other people I know, you can't remember a time when you didn't believe in Jesus. So you believed and believed and believed, and somehow life didn't seem to get any better. You seemed to have the same challenges, the same successes and failures, whatever as all the other people you know who don't believe in Jesus. In fact, oftentimes, they seem to be living even a better life than you are, and on top of that, they're not racked by guilt the way you are because by not believing in Jesus, they don't have to worry about the idea of temptation or falling short of God's ideals or, or any of that stuff. Does that sound at all familiar to you? Sadly, it's de rigueur for many a Christian. Most Christians, in fact, the Christian life doesn't seem all that it's cracked up to be. Wasn't it Jesus who said the thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy, but I came that you may have life and have it abundantly? John chapter 10, verse 10. So where is that abundant life? The, the original Greek word used there means literally superabundant. So where is this superabundant life that Jesus promised you? Why is everything so difficult? Why is it that I'm not filled with the joy and the excitement that I first felt when I gave my life to Jesus? Can I tell you, I speak to a lot of people all around the world who come to me with basically that scenario, basically that same story. Here it is in a nutshell. I know that my life isn't what it's meant to be in Christ. I know that, but I don't know why, and I don't know what to do about it. And that's why today we're kicking off a brand new series of messages called Power Unlimited. Because the thing that's lacking in the lives of so many people, maybe in your life too, is the power to live the life that Jesus promised us. The devil comes along and whispers in your ear, you're not good enough for God. And actually he's right. That's exactly what the Apostle Paul says of himself. And remember, God called Paul to write almost half the books of the New Testament. Have a listen to what Paul says. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I'm of the flesh, sold into slavery under sin. I don't understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do everything I hate. Now, if I do what I do want, I agree that the law is good. But in fact, it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells within me, that is, within my flesh. I can will what is right, but I cannot do it. For I do not do the good that I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. Now, if I do what I do not want, 
It is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do what's good, evil lies close at hand. Romans chapter 7, verses 14 to 21. So the Apostle Paul, as it turns out, has exactly the same problem that you and I have. But happily he doesn't give up, because the old Paul, God bless him, also has the answer, the only answer that has the power to make a difference. Wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this body of sin and death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Romans chapter 7, verse 24. You see, I have some very good news for you today. Listen carefully so you don't miss it. God has already placed within you all the power that you need to live the superabundant life that Jesus died and rose again to give you. God has already made the resurrection power, the very same power that raised Jesus from the dead, available to you here and now to live the super abundant life that Jesus came to give you. I know, I know, you don't believe me. Good, you shouldn't believe me. It's not within my purview to grant you that power. But will you believe what God says in the Bible? Here's how the Apostle Paul puts it when he's writing to his friends in Ephesus. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe, according to the working of his great power. See, God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him up from the dead, and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he has put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 to 22. Do you see what Paul's saying? Paul's prayer for the Ephesians is that they would discover the immeasurable greatness of God's power for us who believe, the very same power that raised Christ from the dead. Each year, we celebrate Easter, the death of Jesus on the cross, which receives most of the focus, and the resurrection, which, which frankly, we don't focus on all that much. But this resurrection is the evidence of the immeasurably great power that is available to you and me so that we can live a new life, the life that Jesus promised. As Bible teacher Casey Treat once said, we need to stop praying for power and start praying with power, the power that we already have. One of my Bible college lecturers from years ago, Dr. Barry Chand, once said that if he were to transliterate the original Greek words used there for immeasurably great power, It'd sound something like this, hyperbolistic, megathonic, dynamic power. Do you get it? Do you realise the immeasurable greatness of God's power that he has placed at your disposal to live your life for Christ? Hello, wake up! And the purpose of this power, the whole point of this power, is to enable us to live the new life, the born-again life, the resurrection life, the super-abundant life that Jesus came to give us. Yet so many Christians, most Christians, fail to live that life for one reason and one reason alone, because they don't lay hold of that power. We live on a spiritual battlefield, 
Paul puts it this way, our struggle isn't against enemies of blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the, the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armour of God so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand therefore and fasten the belt of truth around your waist and put on the breastplate of righteousness as shoes for your feet. Put on whatever will make you ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. With all of these, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all of the flaming arrows from the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 12 to 17. Now, I'm an old soldier from way back. And I can tell you that as I look at each of the elements of that spiritual armour that Paul lists there, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes, the shield, the helmet, each of those is a piece of defensive armour. Defence is important to protect yourself, but you don't win a war by defending. To win, you have to go into attack. And the only offensive weapon in that list is what? The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That's the only attack weapon in the spiritual armory that God has given you. And the truth is that most Christians leave it in its scabbard. They leave the sword of the Spirit at home, and then they wonder why the devil keeps on winning. And that, that's something we're going to be talking a lot more about in the rest of this series. As you can imagine, I speak with a lot of people, people who respond to this radio program, people I meet in my travels, people who've heard me speak places, and they want to know how to apply this stuff to their lives. And most people come to me with a problem. This is happening in my life, and I just don't know why. That's happening in my life, and I don't know what to do about it. I, I want to follow Jesus, but Satan keeps on winning as he tempts me with this sin or with that sin. Over and over again... I hear the same thing, the same question, the same problem, the same frustration in people's voices. Why isn't my life all that Jesus promised it would be? It's a question that plagues many a Christ follower. It causes many to fall by the wayside. It causes many people to live a life that falls so far short of all that it could be in Christ. To my way of thinking, this is one of the greatest tragedies playing itself out in the kingdom of God today. And just like many of the lifestyle and diet-related illnesses that are killing people across the globe, this is a sickness that is completely avoidable. Here's what I see happening in God's kingdom amongst God's people. The societies in which we live are moving further and further away from God. Look at the United States, a country of religious freedom founded by the pilgrims who came to the land to have the freedom to worship God. A nation which on its dollar bill has the words, in God we trust. And now a country where it's illegal to pray at school, where it's illegal for an officer in the military to share his faith or a Bible with a soldier. A country where four in ten unborn children are terminated. That's a genocide of around 1.2 million children each year. Now, I'm not just picking on the US of A. It's happening right around the globe. Societies founded on Christian love, as they become more secular, are shifting further and further away from God. And they're behaving as though this is progress. It's progress to allow one man to marry another man or a woman to marry another woman. It's progress to allow a woman to choose whether or not to kill her unborn child. It's progress for women not to respect their husbands and men not to cherish their wives. 
And anybody who stands in the way of this so-called progress is a narrow-minded conservative bigot. Now, these sweeping changes are sweeping many a Christian along with them. Christians en masse are forsaking a life based on God's word for a life based on the world's ways. And not just individual Christians, but preachers, Bible teachers, churches, even denominations. And then we wonder why things aren't going so well for us in our lives. <laughs> really? Back to the Bible International is based in Lincoln, Nebraska. It's a ministry that I've been closely involved with now for a good many years. In fact, they founded the Ministry of Christianity Works that I now lead here in Australia way back in 1957. Part of Back to the Bible is the Centre for Bible Engagement, which has conducted extensive research around the world on the impact in the lives of men and women who are engaged with God's Word on a regular basis. Remember, the Bible itself says that there is incredible power to defeat Satan in God's Word. Our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armour of God so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand therefore and fasten the belt of truth around your waist. Put on the breastplate of righteousness as shoes for your feet. Put on whatever will make you ready to go and proclaim the gospel of peace. With all of these, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 12 to 17. Now, in that long list of, of elements of the armour, the only offensive weapon given to us by God is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. All the other parts of the armour are defensive, which is good, but you don't win a battle by going on the defence. You have to go on the offence. You have to attack the enemy to defeat him. And the one tool, the one weapon that God has given you to do that is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So the Centre for Bible Engagement decided to research the spiritual lives of over 100,000 people in 21 countries, ranging from the ages of 8 to 80 years. They began with this question, what is it of all the things that Christians do that is the most powerful predictor of spiritual growth? When you think about it, Christians do a lot of things to express their faith. They go to church, they, they pray, they listen to sermons, they attend home groups, they give, they serve, and many more things. The Centre of Bible Engagement's research project wanted to find out which ones of those had the most impact in the life of a Christian. Now, that's not a bad question to ask through a large, scientifically constructed, statistically valid international research project. It's not a bad question to ask for anyone who wants to lay hold of the super abundant life that Jesus promised to give us, John chapter 10, verse 10. The conclusion of this research, here it is in a nutshell, and I quote from their report. The findings consistently showed that engaging in the Bible four or more days a week is the single most powerful predictor of spiritual growth. And they define spiritual growth as becoming less of the person I was before I committed my life to Jesus and more like Christ in my thoughts and words and deeds. In fact, I know Arnie Cole, the president of Back to the Bible, pretty well. His background is as a professional researcher and statistician. And he said to me that statistically speaking, the correlation between engaging with God's word, the Bible, four days a week or more, 
and spiritual growth is stronger than the correlation between smoking and lung cancer. Just think about that. What powerful evidence of the importance of receiving, reflecting on and responding to God's word having a powerful impact in changing our lives, making the changes that we ourselves have been powerless thus far to make. Let me come back to the Apostle Paul's reflection on this whole question of the power to change. Romans chapter 7, verse 24, Wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this body of sin and death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. The answer is that only God can give us the power to change, the resurrection power to be able to live the born-again, new, superabundant life that Jesus came to give us. What then are we to say? Should we continue in sin in order that grace might abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin go on living in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death? Therefore we have been buried with him by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. Romans chapter 6, verses 1-4. to So do you see, God's plan is for you to walk in the newness of life, the resurrection life made available to you through the cross and the empty tomb. The power to live that life is something that you will find in the Word of God as the Spirit of God breathes His Word into your heart. Because all Scripture is inspired by God and it's useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, Equipped for every good work. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. That's where you'll find the power to change. Power unlimited in God's word. So you have to ask yourself, why do so many Christians ignore their Bibles? Discovering the power to change in God's Word isn't just a theory lesson. It's real. I remember one time early in the days of my involvement in this Ministry of Christianity Works that produces these radio messages, I was just at rock bottom. And, and, and then I read this, James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but pure joy, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. Another time, just when I was wondering whether or not to step out in faith by growing the ministry into Africa, when clearly we didn't have the resources to do so, I opened up the next chapter in the Bible that I was reading, happened to be one of the Gospels, and I read about Peter stepping out of the boat. He he didn't wait for the storm to stop. No, he stepped out in the middle of the storm and walked on the water towards Jesus. So... We went to Africa and millions of lives have been touched. Just when I was feeling so incredibly inadequate one time, I read about how Peter and all the disciples deserted Jesus when he was being tried and crucified, and yet Jesus still went on to use them to start this fledgling thing he called the church. The Bible is full of this stuff. And somehow God, through his Spirit, takes those stories and connects them with our lives and and in our hearts. We just know God is speaking to us. There have been so many times when, when just when I needed a gentle touch from God, then I read about how he healed the leper or the blind man or the lame man. The Bible is full of God's promises and plans and purposes. And when we establish a regular habit 
just spending some time with him there, his spirit writes his promises and his plans and his purposes on our hearts with indelible ink in a way that no person, no man, no woman, no situation, no trial can ever rub them off. God brings his word to life and that changes everything. So often I'd wonder where I would be if I hadn't established a regular habit of reading God's word. You know, it just doesn't bear thinking about. You see, God is no peddler of good philosophies or belief systems. He's not some distorted mirror of low self-esteem or unrealistic stereotypes. God wants to make a real difference in your life and in mine. The problem is that there are so many things out there Ways of living, ways of thinking, fads, things to buy, places to go. All of them promise a great life. All of them promise something that they simply can't deliver. You and I, we both know that we have flaws and weaknesses. As much as we wish we didn't, we just do. And you and I both know that we have people in our lives, situations in our lives, problems in our lives, mountains in our lives that we cannot overcome. And as much as we wish we didn't, we just do. It's the way things are. Well, right in the middle of all those things, God wants to make a difference. And he does that as we listen to his truth, as we take his truth into our hearts, as we let him work powerfully in us and through us by his spirit and his word. That research I was talking about earlier in the program, that the research by the Centre of Bible Engagement, which scientifically and statistically proves that frequent engagement with God's word makes a powerful difference in our lives, that shouldn't be any surprise to us. Because God's word is living and active and and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing until it divides soul from spirit, joints from marrow. It's able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the human heart. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. And neither should the opposite be any surprise to us. That people who don't engage regularly with God's word are going to live powerless lives where temptation, where the enemy, where people and circumstances constantly overwhelm them. Does any of that surprise you? Really? You've been listening to Christianity Works with Bernie Dimat. Before we go, there's something truly important that I need to share with you. This podcast is only made possible through the prayer and support of friends like you. Each week, millions of people hear about Jesus through Christianity Works radio and television broadcasts and through podcasts just like this one. Your generous gift of support today will help take the gospel of Jesus Christ far and wide around the globe. Just stop by at ChristianityWorks.org and click the donate button. And when you do give, don't forget to request your free copy of this month's latest life application e-booklet. Thank you so much for your generous gift of support today. Again, that web address is ChristianityWorks.org. I'm Jennifer. We'll catch you again next time.